the pomegranate. What is it? Pomegranate, pomegranate chai. White tea. White tea. Yep. That's what it is. Oh boy. And you're deep. Oh, you're deep. So action. Action. All right. This right here is the first Jocko podcast. Here we go. I guess to start off, how did we end up here? How did this happen? I guess I have to thank uh, Tim Ferriss for initially having me on to his podcast. And that was via a couple people that helped me out get on there. Kirk Parsley, Peter Atia, and they made some introductions and introduced me to Tim Ferriss. Tim had me on, got a lot of good feedback on that, on that show. And that led to me going on to Joe Rogan. So thanks to Joe Rogan for having me on as well. And once those two things happened and I actually got online and started getting, communicating with other human beings online and they were asking, you know, you should, you should do a podcast because it was interesting. And both Joe and Tim told me to have a podcast because it was interesting. Hmm. So as... I got all that feedback, which was awesome. Um, I kind of realized I should do a podcast. So I'm sitting here. My name is Jocko, Jocko Willink. I was, uh, if you don't know anything about me, I served 20 years in the military, retired in 2010. Myself and one of my buddies, a guy by the name of Leif Babin, we started a company where we do leadership and management consulting for businesses. Doing all that work eventually got us to a situation where we had some knowledge and kind of aggregated some knowledge. And so we put that into a book. The book came out and been doing pretty well. It's called Extreme Ownership. So that's who I am. Now, I kind of sometimes find it a little strange just to be talking. And so... <laughs> As we decided to put this podcast together, at one point I had done some follow-up videos for Tim Ferriss, for him to put online, and I did those with a buddy of mine who's sitting here with me now, a guy by the name of Echo Charles, who is a longtime jiu-jitsu training partner of mine, and he does video production. He's got a company called Flixpoint TV, uh, and... Whenever I got to do something video related, he's my go-to guy. And so when this came, this opportunity came about, when we were filming the videos for Tim Ferriss, you know, we had questions from the internet and we were sitting there and he's filming and we were basically doing a podcast because we were talking and we were having conversations about leadership and about jujitsu and about problems and about everything. And that kind of rolled into when we started talking about doing a podcast and I said, Hey, do you have audio equipment do you have a recorder do you have do you have time to sit down and hang out with me and and do this and i do he said i do <laughs> i do have all that stuff and here we are so then uh what we did was we we took a bunch of uh questions that i got 
from online. People hit me with all kinds of different questions, which is awesome. Thanks to everybody for giving me that feedback and listening and talking and communicating with me. That's awesome. It's kind of weird because I've, I've never been like the most social person in the world. And not that I feel like lonely because I never do. I I don't care if I'm alone or not. It's no big social. Deal you mean like online social? Well, definitely or not. Just social definitely general. not online social. I mean, I had zero online presence prior to you know being on the Tim Ferriss podcast, mm-hmm. and um, but but even socially, I mean, I don't like hang around with people. You know that. I mean, I I told you that like the last time I was over here. I said, oh, hey, right, right. yeah, I just don't do that a lot. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of interesting to me being online and communicating with really thousands of people. Yeah. And they all, and it's cool because I'm not used to having people that are kind of interested in the same thing I'm interested in, you mm-hmm. know, the jujitsu, the working out, the want to do better, the want to get better, the want to learn more. That's what I'm, that's what I want to do. And mm-hmm. it's cool to be able to communicate with a bunch of people that want to do the same thing. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's what this, podcast which i know is going to evolve into all kinds of different things but i think the the underlying theme will be lessons learned you know lessons learned i want to learn from people i want people to i want to pass on what i've learned i don't want people to make the same mistakes i made i want to learn other mistakes that people have made so i don't make them and i think that's going to kind of be the underlying theme here with this yeah what about you i mean is there anything in your background that you would consider to be important for people to know above and beyond what you just said no i think that's that's those are the relevant points for sure (laughs) (laughs) that's 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 as we talked about doing this that's one of the things that struck me as you're a director, you know, for your business. Right. You're you're a film director, and you don't get in front of the camera. That's not your thing, right? And so that's why I think this interaction is good because you're you draw things out of people. That's what a director does. Yeah, and I, I believe that's what you're going to be doing here. Yeah, yeah, especially when I did um, a lot of the metamorphosis stuff. That was essentially my. That was like maybe a third of the whole job is to get stuff out of. So the jujitsu players out there, if you followed Metamorphs at all, the videos, the, the, what are they called? Lead up videos? Yeah, like promo. The promo videos. For the, for the matches, yeah. Those were. Countdowns, uh, if The you countdowns, will. that's sure. right. Those, yeah. were, those were Echo Charles material right there. Yeah. So you'd occasionally hear his voice in the background with a question. Yeah. So speaking of questions. Yeah. We got some questions from the, uh, from the interwebs. Yeah. What do we got for the first one here? What do we got? First question is, why do you wake up early in the morning? Actually, this is, I, I kind of have the same question for mm-hmm. you because uh, I wake up late. Oh, I was in the nightclub industry for a long time, so my schedule has just shifted. I still, you know, work out and, and, and work hard for the most part during the day, but my schedule has just shifted. But I think a lot of times I'm viewed as like, oh, this like late riser, like early risers just to begin with kind of seem like these disciplined, you know, <laughs> but if you just shift the schedule a little bit forward, you know, you're up for, let's say you get eight hours sleep. I know you get less than eight hours sleep, but let's say a typical person, eight, eight hours sleep. If 
you get eight hours of sleep, but you wake up at 4.30 versus you get the same eight hours, hours of sleep, same waking, um, you know, hour or same hours awake and doing work and working just as hard. But you wake up at, in my case, noon. The cracking <laughs> whatever. What's the difference, really? You know? Well, they're... they're Technically, there is no difference. And actually, I've talked to people that they're on the night shift. Right. You know, so they, they get home at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And, but I think we both know. <laughs> <laughs> I think we both know what the difference is. And I, and I truly think, you know, that waking up early. Now, if that early means noon because you you worked until seven o'clock in the morning or eight o'clock in the morning and it takes discipline to get out of bed Mm. then i believe that there's then that's fine but if you wake up whenever you want and you slept for 10 hours and you're lazy getting out of bed i think that affects your whole life in a negative way I, i really do i think it's not good um and again i know that some people are on those schedules and i know that some people need more sleep that's that's I understand that there's some genetics involved I have one of my daughters genetically I will go to bed at 11 o'clock at night she's still awake I wake up at 4 in the morning she's awake so there's some genetic weirdness going on there yeah what um, as far as getting up early let's say how you said okay it takes discipline to get out of bed wouldn't that kind of indicate that maybe you need some more sleep? Because uh, let's think of like what they, how, what they call the natural sleep cycle, right? You go to sleep, you sleep your however seven, I think ideal seven and a half or something like this. And you naturally wake up, you got your rest. But if, if you got to drag yourself out of bed, doesn't that kind of indicate you need more rest? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you, you could be right. But you, you know how you always say, like, um, what do you say? Uh, psychological victory. Psychological victory. Right. So isn't that kind of, it's, it's a mental exercise, right? Yes. So you're, if that's part of your routine to fight adversity, you end up getting better at fighting adversity, whether it's that tiredness you feel right. or actual physical pain or, you know. And, and also... You sleep like if you decide to sleep more, it's because it feels good, right? So right, right. It, yeah. th- then it's good for you. Mm-hmm. But what if you want more candy? <laughs> you know, right, right. If you want more candy because it tastes good, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's good. In right. fact, it's not good. Right. But I, I do think that there's times that I do definitely need more sleep, and but I don't. And I also know that there's a fine line. I know when I get, I know when I get overtrained. I know when I get. not enough sleep and I feel it and my workout starts going backward and my jujitsu starts going backwards and my life starts going a little bit backwards. Mm -hmm. And then I know, okay, you know, you, you need to, you need to take a day. You need to relax, sleep more. Maybe like wake up at like five. Yeah. Sleep until like five 30. And you can always tell that when we were training fighters for the UFC, you could tell when they're, when they reached their limit, when they were overtraining, it was so obvious. They would just fall apart on the mat, just completely fall apart. Um, and you know, the other thing is, I, I, I'm like making a big deal out of waking up early. There's millions of people in the world 
that that's what their job is. They're a single mom and they got to work two jobs and they're getting up at earlier than I am and they're going to bed later than I am because they're supporting their family. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sitting here saying this is the be all end all, but I will say that it definitely it definitely has an impact and it definitely affects the other things in your life if you have that discipline early in the morning. It 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 will help you across the board. Yeah, and I I always read this stuff about creative people. And this is a complete generalization, but they say that creative people tend to stay up later. And, uh, you know, uh, usually when you stay up later, you wake up later, whatever. Um, if, so you're, if you're mentally weak, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so couldn't it be kind of seen, couldn't it be seen as, like when... My early waking is a total lack of creativity. <laughs> <laughs> No, it seems like you're you're driven to get things done, you know, get the job done, get it done done well, no excuses, right? And, and at the same time, develop your physical, mental toughness, and you know, improve yourself in these mm-hmm. ways that it's essentially like I don't want to say the chores in life, but it's like you you're, you 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 want to get up and maximize the day and get the most work done possible, mm-hmm. right? So. If you, let's say, okay, a typical day, let's say I wake up at 8 a.m., I do my work, I get home at 5, and I, you know, I kind of goof off, watch some TV, and maybe, I don't know, maybe even go out to a bar or something like that, where all the, the work is done. There's no work to be done, really, uh-huh. as far as just kind of in, in a general way of, way of saying it. There's no work to be done at the bar. There's no work to be done watching, you know, TV or whatever. So... A person that lacks discipline, they're gonna. It's pleasurable. The bar is pleasurable, you know. Mm-hmm. For you know, generally speaking, um, TV is pleasurable. So they're gonna be all focused on that. Like, oh, I don't want to go to bed and 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 face the work day the next day. I don't want to charge the work day. I want to Im- immerse myself in the in the fun part of it, in the candy part of it. Mm-hmm. Then they wind up going to bed late, and then they wind up having to drag themselves out of bed, maybe sleep in a little mm-hmm. bit more. So. Wouldn't kind of that discipline that you talk about that applies to the whole day, not just waking up early, right? So it's like of a course. whole system. So a lot yep. of pe- a lot of people, when like you that that I've noticed, you focus really hard on getting stuff done, and if you maximize the time you have to get it done when you wake up early, then you can do that more yep. effectively. And at the same time, I don't want to give the impression that I'm living this like task driven life where I have every minute of the day scheduled because. Because then that does inhibit your ability to do other things. Right. It inhibits your it inhibits your creativity, yeah. um, obviously. But you know, I'll train jujitsu, and I'm going to go there for maybe I'll just go there for 45 minutes and get some rounds in. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll be there for three hours, and I don't necessarily know that when I show up because I have some flexibility in what I'm going to do in the day. Yeah, the waves are good. Maybe I'll go surfing. You know the but. You're right that you have to be disciplined. It's not getting out of bed is like the the foundation yeah. of the discipline. Yeah, and I think it carries over everything else because when you get out of bed early and then you work out, when you get done working out, me personally, I don't want to eat junk when I get done working out. I'm like, oh, you know, I did a good workout. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling healthy. Instead of eating a bowl of Lucky Charms, I'm going to eat, you know, some yeah. some eggs and bacon and eat something good. Mm-hmm. So. I agree with you on that. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> fear is kind of a little side note 
to to that question? Well, to me, one of the things when people ask me, like, what drives you, which is kind of a weird question because it's a big question. Right. I guess that's not a weird question. It's a big question. Right. What drives yeah, you? Yeah, like a long list of yeah. answers on that one. But one of the things that I definitely think of as a, as a driver of me is, is fear. And it's, you know, fear of failure, fear of being what overtaken. You? Yes. You okay. Yes. Yeah. What drives me? Right. And, and this comes from, I remember being in the SEAL teams. I, I was, when I was a young guy in the SEAL teams, I was very afraid of making mistakes and looking stupid or doing dumb things and getting a bad reputation. And that fear got me to work early and got me to inspect my gear three more times and got my, me to ask my buddy to inspect my gear to make sure we were good to go. So I, I think that's what the fear is. And then there's also the fear of what the enemy's doing and how hard are they training and are you training harder than them? And now that I'm in the civilian world, I'm thinking, okay, what is, what is you know some other company doing better than we're doing and how can we overtake them? You know, and that's some weird fear and competitiveness that, you know, everybody has Um, some people more than others. You got to balance it for sure. But it's definitely one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that can get in the way, especially when you mentioned, like, what is that other company doing? So I knew this guy that my brother worked with that he would be one of those guys where he'd be really concerned on what's the, what's the competition doing. So he'd be developing this aspect of his company and it's like right in the middle of development and, but he'd be paying attention, you know, one ear would be on the, you know, what's going on with this other company and they'd do some new thing or go in some new direction that really yields a lot of success for him. Oh, we got to do that. We got to do. Meanwhile, these other ideas that are solid, viable ideas are left half developed or the resources are kind of allocated to do this new thing and not so much the old stuff. And you know what? I actually got asked this working with a company the other day and they said, you know, how much should we be focused? Because I said something along these lines. They said, well, how much should we be focused on what the enemy, on what the competitors are doing? And should we be afraid of them? Mm -hmm. And I said, actually, fear is the wrong word. You shouldn't be afraid of the enemy, but you have to respect them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing that gets me out of bed early in the morning, is that I respect the enemy. I'm not afraid of them, but I respect them, and I'm going to be ready to do battle with them when the time comes. You know, this is kind of a side note, but isn't, don't you kind of think too sometimes where it's, you're almost like reflecting yourself when you say you're, you're, you respect and you, for lack of a better term, fear the enemy and what they're doing to prepare because you know what you're doing to prepare and it's pretty hard. So you kind of almost in the back of your mind is thinking they're probably doing all this too, you know? So it's like the more you do, the more you kind of in a weird subconscious way might think, they're doing they're doing the same right. thing you know so it's like boom 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 this never ending like you it's know, an arms race do, yeah. yeah it's an arms race somewhat yeah and and if you get caught up in it to a point like the example you just gave yeah i can drive you crazy and it'll it'll drive you to failure you know yeah. you have to be able to stand on your own and and say okay we're gonna we're gonna maneuver regardless of what the enemy is doing we're gonna make our we're gonna make our moves yeah next what do we got next Next question. Um, oh, well, actually, there's a it, life, you know, and other people, single yeah, moms. Yeah, I, I kind of went through that. 
Um, yeah, as this, this applies to everyone, these underlying yeah. concepts. Okay. Well, then, you kind of talked about this before, mental toughness. How do you... <laughs> and <laughs> this is another one that applies to me where... Certain, and you'll see it even in, in high levels. Certain people, it's almost like they've navigated their way through life and to into success not really needing that much mental toughness because maybe they had some special attribute that allowed them to be successful early on and kept them success you know like these like yeah. athletes for example athletes really gifted yeah. yeah and you know and you you'd kind of notice it when things get rough for them that's when they break or or whatever and um so I mean, I'm not saying I'm like a superior athlete or nothing like that, but it just so happens in a lot of ways, some ways, whatever. Um, I managed to avoid developing mental toughness <laughs> up until about maybe two years ago, maybe. Um, but, and I, I, of course, I know how mine came about. I think, I mean, the, the main reason was just through maturity and seeing it around me, but... Um, Let's say I didn't, I wasn't surrounded by people who are mentally tough and I didn't see the value firsthand. How do, how do you just develop mental toughness? Again, this is one of those things that people ask, and this was a big question from online. You know, tons and tons of people asked, how do you develop mental toughness? How do you become more mentally tough? And, you know, you and I did that video on it where it's like, if you want to be more mentally tough, then be tougher <laughs> you, you know yeah. and and you get these people that are out there that sell courses on developing mental toughness and you know they're either gonna bring you into a room and get you into some spiritual state and say okay listen you've got to visualize the mind of the wolf <laughs> and you are going to See through the eyes of the wolf. What does a wolf do? The wolf does not back down. He leads the pack. And they're you know, like all this stuff, right? Okay. I, I'm not, I don't, I don't, you know, no, not, not, not my gig right there. Because, because the cool thing about mental toughness is, is it's just a simple choice that you have to make. Are you going to go through this thing that's hard, this thing that's tough, this thing that sucks? Are you going to suffer through it or are you going to quit? It's really easy. You, you just go, okay, I'm going to suffer through it. I'm going to deal with it. Then you're mentally tough. Done. Next question. Let's move on to something more important. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that easy. But doesn't that, and maybe I'm wrong here, but that sounds like the answer coming from someone who has, doesn't sound crazy, but has the luxury of being mentally tough. So like when you're, do you, do you ever remember a time that you were not, that you were straight up mentally weak? Do you ever remember any time? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, 1996, I was, no, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, like, I'll tell you, people talk about in SEAL training. They say, oh, everybody, everybody wants to quit at some point during SEAL training. And I, I literally, not at all, never for one second did I think, oh, I'm, I'm going to quit. I don't want to do this anymore. Not even yeah. a chance. Who, who, That's ridiculous. Uh, um, who says that? SEALs say it. Like other SEALs say it. it? Yeah, absolutely. Oh. You know, everyone thinks about quitting sometimes. I'm like, right. no. And I got plenty of bros in the SEAL teams that never thought about Me quitting. Too. Yeah, two hey, of my best yeah, friends. Are, yeah. They said, no, you don't even think about no, quitting. No, you don't even think about quitting. Yeah. And so those guys are mentally tough. And okay, so if, you, if you're not mentally tough, if you view yourself as mentally weak, then you got to do things, I guess, push yourself to that threshold. Right. And how do you push yourself to that threshold? 
you do mentally f- challenging things, you mm-hmm. do physically challenging things, and you push through them. Yeah. And then, and then that might develop your mental toughness more. Right. Yeah, you'd think that, like any exercise, getting the reps, you need to get those reps of hard stuff mentally. Like, like that seminar analogy you just made, that's not... That doesn't seem like that would ever work, no matter if you, you're visualizing yourself as a wolf or, or whatever. It, you're not even getting the reps. That's yeah. like saying, oh, yeah. I've never played basketball ever. I've yeah. never even held a basketball, but guess what? We're going to prepare you to be good at basketball. Close your eyes, visualize playing basketball, and that's your reps. Yeah. So it probably won't work. So the, back to the fear thing. We're going to get hammered because all these people are going to be like, no, if you visualize, you get better. At, that's true. Like, yeah, they do Not all kinds of experience, but, but mental toughness, yeah, you're right. You might be there, right. That's more of emotions thing. Right, I think when right. you visualize, you know, winning and, and reacting and stuff, um, mental toughness, maybe, but it, it won't substitute reps. Like yeah. if you're scared of something, for example, that should be like a flag or an indicator that, okay, I got to Let's get some reps right here. I'm scared of this. You're right. And that being said, like you're talking about your buddy, your seal buddies that never were going to quit. Right. And I was definitely never going to quit. Well, I, I didn't have any reps going into that of, you know, mentally challenging things or whatever. I mean, well, you I, did though in in life. In life, th- but and this is this is why I say that I'm not. Um, I obviously, wasn't in the SEAL teams at all. You might find that hard to believe. <laughs> um, no, these guys both played football. D one school. Um, they both. One of them's father was a Navy SEAL, and. Just grow, growing up a certain way with a certain yep. like environment does make you tough. Like let's say your yeah, father just you're, not you're letting right. you quit. Like yeah. you play even Pop Warner football, and your dad's like, "No, you you can't quit. Like oh, I want to quit. This is lame. I'm not good, or it's, I'm so just so tired. I'm hurt or whatever." And yep. your dad's saying, "No, you don't quit." And it just is in your mind. And, oh, you and just this is the don't and quit. this is the crazy thing about the SEAL teams is there's kids that grew up in you know some rich town with very wealthy parents and went to an ivy league school and they're tough and there's kids that grew up with no dad and you know a single mom and they're they're tough as hell so that theory is almost debunked because where does that mental toughness come from i I think it comes from a bunch of different places it just is interpreted and kind of internalized in the same way and i'll tell you where i think it comes from i think it comes from when a when a human being decides that they're going to achieve their goals and they're going to go through whatever obstacles, then that's where mental toughness comes from. It is a decision that human beings make to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that when... You know what you're doing right now? You're shirking responsibility (laughs) for mental toughness. That's what you're doing. I'm I'm trying to narrow it down. you're, you're You're basically saying right now, like... You didn't. You weren't developed in a way that raised mental <laughs> yep. toughness, and it's I'm, everyone else's fault. It's your fault. You're I'm, not tough. I'm taking the <laughs> the exact opposite of extreme ownership of, of my lack of mental toughness, or former. I'm working on it. Um, no, but I think it, it is a lot of environmental factors. Like you become tough because of certain environments, for sure. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess we we would need to see what happens with the people that aren't mentally tough. Because where do they end up? They end up in the gutter. They end up dead. They end up in jail. They end up in bad places because they weren't mentally tough. They didn't figure it out. They didn't drive through it. Mm -hmm. And so we don't even know who those people are. What happened to them? They failed. They They didn't make that decision. They didn't decide that they were going to get out of that bad situation, that they were going to push through that scenario. 
the, the guys that you played football with, they drove through that, those bad situations and got there. You know, that's how they did it. They decided yeah. to do it. Yeah. Yeah, making that decision, I guess it's, they would have to sort of access a place in their mind where that decision is final. Because a lot of times people say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this and that's my dream and you know, I'm going to be an architect and then when they go to college, when the beginner class is three hours a day for five days, they're, oh, well, you know, yeah. I, well, don't, well, I don't know. That's one thing that the SEAL training does very well is gets rid of those people because everyone that shows up there thinks they want to be a SEAL right? until, you know, two weeks <laughs> into it and then you've got half the guys and you end up with 20% of the guys yeah. and everyone has that dream when they show up there. Yeah. But that dream gets crushed. So as a, try to imagine yourself, you're probably not gonna be able to do this, but imagine yourself mentally not tough. Okay. I don't even want to say weak, just an average person. Mm-hmm. You know, when, uh, you know, when you get, you're doing some push ups, you hit about, you know, 15, you're like, Oh, you hit 20. You're like, okay, I can't do anymore. So you stop doing the push ups. Okay. Not the guy who's going to get those five extra. You're not that guy. Is there an exercise or an approach to just be on the path to at least increase my mental, your mental toughness? Yeah. Like what though? Like what? Keep going. Well, yeah, but I, I don't want to, I can't keep going. Yes, you can. I mean, I can, yeah. Yes, but. yes, you can. That's the yeah. difference. You, you can. You just got to sit. Because, okay. I remember I read this small little book. It was called Mind Games. And um, it, there was this one short chapter on uh on anger anger issues like if you have anger issues mm-hmm. right and i never had anger issues or nothing like that but like anyone else was young i was like i don't know 23 24 you know i get mad and think i'm better than certain rules and when i get called out on the rules i pitch it like you know have an attitude or whatever right um so i read this this little chapter and it said anger issues along with other things comes from a low self-esteem mm-hmm. because you're real sensitive and you react you know yeah. in this aggressive way or whatever but the word low self-esteem was like a trigger for me so having a low self-esteem for whatever reason i that was like an embarrassing thing yeah so i so you know so that could be a little trigger so you could find little triggers in let's say you know you're doing push-ups and you don't want to do five more the fact that you don't want to do the five more that should be embarrassing to you yes you know like if you kind of tell yourself that that'll help you make that decision where i'm not going to embarrass myself right Right. now you know so that fear of embarrassment can get you into the mode to to want to exercise more mental toughness you know need that trigger and at the end of the day when you feel that weakness it's a choice to make to overcome it it's not that big of a deal you just suck it up and do it Let's go to the next question. There you have it. What are some key mental and physical steps or patterns to stay on game? Yes, yeah, this, this is one of those questions that we got a very sim- bunch of very similar uh, questions to this. What are the five key? And people always want to put numbers on things, especially right. these days. I think it's people's the attention list. span. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, people yeah. want to see a list of, okay, if I do this. Yeah. And I guess, you know, that's it sells, right? <laughs> yeah. What are the five? In fact, they've done a bunch of articles about Leif and I, and they, they, they throw like a number on them. The mm-hmm. 12 things, the three right. things. Yes. Um, because people want to believe that there's a finite number 
of steps to take. And also, as far as an article for consumption, it makes you feel mentally comfortable to know that, okay, it's not this open. It's I finite. don't know yeah. how much I'm going to read. I know I'm going to read the 12, you know, yeah. and, and that's what I'm going to eat. You know, yeah. like, uh, you know this is going to go back to what we've already been talking about. You know, for me, waking up early, working out every day, taking ownership of what you're doing and responsibility of things that are in your life, um, making sure that you periodically throughout the day, throughout the hour, maybe not throughout the minute, but that you detach yourself from the situation that you're in. You detach yourself from it and you look at yourself and you assess. Mm -hmm. And I think that has a huge impact. And I, you know, I talk about that a lot, that detachment, that it, it is something that I learned in the SEAL teams. And I learned it when bad things were happening. And if you get sucked into those bad things and you're in them mentally, emotionally, and physically, you can't assess well. Because you're in the problem. Yeah. It's like when you're watching a horror movie and, and you know, they're like voluntarily, you know, oh, there's a noise down in the basement. Let's go see what it is. Right. Everyone that's watching the movie that's detached from the situation is screaming at the screen, no, don't do it. Mm -hmm. The people that are there are saying, yes, let's go check it out because right. they're emotionally and physically and mentally in the situation. So having the ability to detach from the, 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 the present from being in inside your own head being able mm -hmm. to detach from that is is hugely important because it allows you to do a real assessment of yourself and then finally staying humble um you 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 can't ever think that you've got everything figured out you've mm -hmm. got to constantly be saying you know what can i do better what can i fix what am i screwing up and People are going to give you advice and you got to take it and listen to it and see if it's good or not. Maybe put it to the test. But I think those things, you know, waking up early, working out, taking ownership of stuff, being able to detach and assess and staying humble. Those are those are kind of my mainstays. If I had to call them out on the list of five things <laughs> that make you better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The ownership that. I don't, I mean, they're all pretty, you know, these are all challenges for sure. These aren't just easy things to do. Um, but the ownership, I think that's a big key. Like, um, for example, in your book, what it talks about, the whole theme of the book, extreme ownership. Yeah. Where any situation when something goes wrong, when it doesn't go perfectly or you want it to go better, it's so easy, super easy, especially if you're emotionally charged or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to be like, well, that guy didn't do his job or whatever. And a lot of the cases, it's true. Yeah. That guy didn't yeah. do his job. A lot of cases, it's true. It, it, and then when you do that, you don't even think about or you don't honestly tell yourself or think about what, what you did or what you didn't do you know, or what you did wrong you know, to make right. that, um, you know, to, uh, what role you played. And that's why that detachment is, is critical. Because if you don't detach, it's very easy to be in your own head and say, well, Echo screwed up his part and that's why we failed the mission. Right. It's because Echo didn't do his job. And now, but as soon as I hear myself saying that, when I'm saying it, it's okay. When it's coming out of my mouth, it's right, okay. Right. It feels like, if I see myself saying it, then I know that I've, yeah. I've gone the wrong way. Yeah. I know that I've made a mistake. Yeah. And what's interesting is when you, when you, 
And it's something you can do like right now. You don't have to get trained in it. You can start practicing taking ownership oh, yeah. of everything you possibly can, literally right now. And what I found and, and really like about it is that it works not just like with business, it works with everything, relationships with yep. friends, relationships with your wife or girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever, all that. It works amazing in all those situations. So it applies, it's really kind of like a staple for, for life, you know, like a, a way to conduct yourself just in life. Yeah, and that is, that is why that is why that became the title of the book because yeah. that is the underlying characteristic that helps people in their life. And if, I mean, that means as a leader, of course, obviously, in a, in a pressure situation, obviously, in a business, obviously, but you're right. And it, it takes uh, transitions across the board to life and, and it makes you successful across the board when you take ownership of everything, no doubt about it. Yeah. So... At age 44, you get out of bed, bust your ass, like the next mission is around the corner. What drives you? Actually, you kind of talked about that, kind of that fear of the enemy's preparation. Yeah. But what do you, you know? You know, this is one of those things that when, when people start talking about a war and what war does to people and you know nowadays we're hearing and we see more and we know more about what war does to people's minds mm. and obviously it is it can have some some extremely negative impacts on people and there's a lot of veterans right now that are that are suffering that are having a hard time and i think for me when i think about what drives me it's an extremely powerful force that's driving me today and that is that I served with guys that sacrificed their lives so that we could be here so that I could be here so that we could have freedom so that I could have never mind freedom so that I could be here alive and when you think about that, when you think about this gift, this gift that you've been given to come back to America and be free and have a life and have liberty and, and be free for the pursuit of happiness, when you think about that gift, it's the most beautiful thing anyone could ever give you. It's been given to you. It's been given to me. And I will not squander that gift. And I will make every day count as I remember those guys that gave that gift to me. Yeah. I, um, it's funny how, like, you know, how you 
kind of get a glimpse of certain people's life and how they how they behave and how they act and what their routine and schedule is and um when you like he just hearing that and you've said that before and and you've even kind of said that to me before and it kind of reminds you how much well reminds me how much I'm not doing you know and you know how if you get free money it it, it almost means less right. than if you earn it you know so I think a lot of times when you don't do a lot or you know maybe you know you haven't served or something like that it's almost like free money and you've been exposed to earning that money in the in the real sense yeah so that's boom that's constantly just in your nature now and then you know other people they they do have to be reminded you know and i think you know what a powerful reminder because every day and i would say every minute of every day i'm thinking about those guys yeah and that that that's uh That definitely pushes me, and I don't want to let those guys down. Yeah. So, in regards to the military, um, you know, officers entering spec ops or other elite scenarios, what advice would you have for them? You know, this is, again, this is one of those questions that's come up, and I get this a lot because a lot of people that listen to Joe Rogan, a lot of people that listen to Tim Ferriss, they're younger folks, and they um, they might be stepping into leadership positions for the first time. Mm-hmm. And so we definitely got a lot of, a lot of uh, questions from military guys that are getting promoted. They're going to be promoted into leadership positions, and we get a lot of younger people that are stepping into the business world and they're stepping into leadership roles for the first time in those situations. And I think that, um, and, and I would tell both the special operations folks and the folks in the business world, the same thing, because as if anyone's listened to me at all or heard anything that I say or read the book, the leadership principles do not change regardless if it's in business or in battle. The leadership principles stay the same. And so if you're new and you're up and coming, what do you do? How do you step up into that role? Number one, be humble. I know it's a theme. I sound like a broken record, but you, everybody knows, everybody's seen that cocky guy that walks in and thinks they're going to run everything. And you you just instantly disrespect that person. Mm -hmm. So how do you overcome that? You come in and you be humble. You respect people. You know, you, you, you respect people regardless of what rank you are, regardless of whether you're, you're making a ton more money than someone else. It doesn't matter. You treat everybody with respect. You treat them with respect and they're going to respect you. You listen to them. It means so much when uh, when, when one of your people comes and talks to you and you sit down and you say, okay, let me take some notes on what you're saying. That means so much to them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people forget that. You know, they, they forget what it means to look up and, and see the boss man and they, they might blow a guy off or, you know, hey, I don't have time for you right now. Mm-hmm. You got to listen to people mm-hmm. because what you're trying to do in a leadership position, and this is a word that, I've only recently become comfortable saying <laughs> the word is relationships. 
you are truly that's what that's what business is that's what that's what life is that's what business is that's what combat is that's how you lead people in combat in business you have relationships with them Leif and I talk about this all the time you know sure I can give you an order if you if you're below me in rank and you might do it some of the time but you're not gonna the the, the people that really follow you that you have a relationship with you those guys will do anything for you the guys that 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 I worked with the guys that worked for me were were my subordinates they do anything for me. And you know what? I would do anything for them. I would do anything for those guys. The guys that were in my task unit, those guys were awesome. They were awesome guys. And I would do anything for those guys. I would give them anything, anything. And they would do the same for me. Why? Because we had relationship. We, that was what we had. It wasn't because I would order them to do something. Mm. <laughs> that doesn't work. Mm. So you got to build those relationships. And how do you build relationships? How do you build relationships then? You build relationships by doing those things, by respecting people, by being humble, by listening, by, by telling them the truth, mm. by having integrity and telling people the truth. You can't lie to people. And, and I mean, lie is a strong word mm-hmm. because, you know, I don't think people are generally lying to each other on a regular basis, mm. but people, people use half-truths and they, you know, they shadow things and you can't do that and people see right through it and even if they don't know what the truth is they know they're not getting the truth right so you know i i was always with my guys okay here's what's going on here's the problem here's what we screwed up here's what we need to do better here's the pressure i'm under from higher headquarters here's why i'm under this pressure Mm. i'm not sugarcoating it i'm not trying to set something up to be different um than what the reality is if I'm getting told to do something that I don't believe in, okay? Now, this is a tough one. If I'm getting told to do something I don't believe in, I'm not going to go tell my guys, hey, I don't believe in this and we're going to do it anyways. No, 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 no. If I don't believe in it, I got to figure out why we're doing it. Right. And I'm going to say, okay, boss, I do not understand why we're doing this. I don't see how this is going to help us win the battle. So, so you need to explain this to me so I can explain it to my guys because I'm not going to go lie to them. I'm also not going to go down there and say, hey, we're doing this anyways. Or, or I'm not going to send people to do things that I don't believe in. We're all trying to win the war. My boss is trying to win the war. I'm trying to win the war. My guys are trying to win the war. So my boss isn't going to tell me to do something that doesn't make sense and doesn't, isn't logical to win the war. Yeah. So I should believe in it. Right. And if I don't, then I should question him. Yeah. And those are, those are the things that allow you to build relationships. And well, the topic of the night again ownership you know if you're if you take ownership when there's problems and you get them solved and then when things do go right you pass that pass the reward and the credit onto your boys then you that also helps you build those relationships so that's what i would tell a new leader in the business world work hard you know i should have said that one's like number one work hard (laughs) work hard yeah yeah dang that's another thing that whole that whole answer with it what you just said applies to is another thing that applies to everything yep even like you say as a leader you know in a <clears throat> you know with the chain of command and, and you know all your guys that works with your kids your f- friends or just even in general like you know at the gym if you're if you're, oh, i used to work with this guy and man he, he was the nicest guy he was the nicest guy he'd always have compliments but you know the kind of compliments that are kind of too good 
Like, man, it, I don't know. Let's say I'm wearing a new shirt and be like, man, that shirt is fucking awesome. <laughs> and, and then he, I've, but he, I've never been told that one time <laughs> in my life. <laughs> You're going to have to come up with a different compliment. <laughs> But he would do that kind of, he would say, you know, give you compliments, right. but just overdo it a little bit too much, just a little bit, just to step outside of the realm of it being believable. Yep. So the kind where he'd be like, man, that's awesome shirt. And then he'd, you know, walk away or whatever, there's a nightclub and he'd come back and be like, man, that is an awesome shirt. You know, it's hard to believe, given what I know about this person, that you're that into Your shirt. my shirt. Yeah. Right. Just for Maybe he's just example. into you. See, and that would be a thing if there was other indicators. Right, so it's it's a whole persona. So it it takes that it takes you being consistent and all these things that you're saying are honest and and, right. and consistent about it. So, so the point of your story is that you didn't build a relationship with a guy right. because you didn't trust him. Yes, exactly right. So you know when you're saying uh, tell the truth, you right. know if it's if it's bad, you got to tell the truth. You're not gonna right. this guy. Literally, it's almost like he would only want to tell you good news. So it it, it could be. Like he could, it's almost like you had this feeling like even if he hated my shirt or yep. thought it looked whack or something like that, um, he would, he would still, oh, that's a, that's a cool shirt. And you know, this is important. This brings me to another point and that is, um, balance. Mm-hmm. And I talk about balance all the time because all these things have to be balanced. And when you're talking about truth right now, you have to be tactful, you know, being, being truthful and being honest does not give you permission to be a jerk. <laughs> it doesn't do that. And yeah. so there's a difference between, you know, oh, I don't like Echo shirt. So I'm going to say, dude, that's an ugly <laughs> shirt, right? right? And just like in when you're working with, you know, subordinates and they screw something up, you know, you're in it, you know, that was a horrible job. You've, you, you let me down. No, no. Okay. Hey, well, first of all, you want to take ownership of it. Hey, I obviously didn't give you good enough guidance. But the, bo- the point that I'm trying to make is being honest with people, there's people that are blunt, honest leaders, and everyone hates them because they're so blunt. They don't have any tact. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't maneuver. They don't use jujitsu. They don't. They don't think, and they don't assess the whole situation. Mm-hmm. And they think that if if I tell Echo, you know, if I want Echo to use method A, and Echo's used to mo- using method B, Echo might have a personality that if I go up and say, "Hey, use method A now," I'm being blunt. I'm being frank. What does Echo say to that? Echo's like, dude, I've been doing this a lot longer than you. I'm not going to do method A. I'm sticking with my method. That's real. I need to get, you know, so you've got to, you've got to influence people. You've got to be a chess player, not a checkers player. And so don't confuse being honest with being blunt and untactful and a jerk. You have to do jujitsu. And for anyone that's listening that doesn't do jujitsu, jujitsu is a very nuanced game where you're constantly trying to set things up and shape the situation. It's not like boxing. In boxing, I'm trying to punch you, you're trying to punch me. In jujitsu, you're trying to maneuver on the other person. You're trying to get better positions on them. You're trying to flank them and come in from a different direction that they didn't expect. That's what the the art of leadership is. Mm-hmm. Anyone could go through a list of, hey, here's what you guys screwed up on the mission. One, two, three, four, five. Mm-hmm. Fix it. Mm-hmm. That guy's not going to be respected as a leader. Even though he's truthful and, and honest and blunt, it's mm-hmm. not going to get him where he needs to be. Right. There's a whole nother game <laughs> to game play. Within and, the game. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's and it's dealing with egos and it's dealing with personalities. That's mm-hmm. really what it boils down to. Everyone has different personalities and learning how to be a craftsman that knows what tools to use with what different types of wood. That's what being a leader is. Mm. 
Yeah. If leadership was do these next seven things and you'll be a great leader, I wouldn't have a book and I wouldn't have a business because everyone would be a great leader. Mm. There is an art to it. It is a it is a very difficult thing to do. It's simple. There's simple steps. You know, be honest. You know, show integrity, take ownership. Yeah. Well, there's those simple steps. But at the same time, they're incredibly nuanced. Yeah. And that's what makes it challenging. And that and that's what makes it so rewarding as well. That is absolutely what makes it so rewarding. Yeah. People who don't people who don't take accountability. Uh, right. Don't take accountability. Right? Blaming everyone else. Um how do you deal with people like that? Because and I mean per- personally, how do you deal with them? Because I guess, or would it be the same way as you would professionally? Yeah, personally, professionally, it's all the same. These are, these are questions that we get asked on a regular basis, and we definitely got a lot of them online, is you know, these, how do, you fee- how do you deal with people that don't take accountability? How do you deal with leadership that doesn't get the message that you are communicating, right? Mm-hmm. So just so we can both understand very out of the gate here, both those questions, what do both those questions do? What, this question? Both these two questions. They have something in common. How do you deal with people, people that don't take accountability, and people that don't <laughs> right. get the message that you're communicating? It's, you're not taking accountability. It's, you're blaming these right, other people. Blaming, yeah. You're blaming them for not taking accountability, and you're blaming them for not understanding your message. Right. Whose fault is that? Your own. If it, you're taking extreme ownership, that's your fault. 100% of the time. Yeah. So if I'm a leader and my people aren't taking responsibility for their actions, that's not their fault. It's my fault. I have not shown them how to lead properly. I haven't shown them how to take accountability. Hmm. And how do you do that? Hey, you know, if Echo does something wrong, I don't go, Echo, you screwed this up. I say, Echo, this went wrong. It's my fault that I didn't explain it to you well enough. I'm not going to talk to you, baby, but like, hey, you know, what do we do wrong? How do we not, how do we, how do we make this happen? You know, you got to take ownership of it. And that's, what does that make Echo do? That makes Echo say, oh, you, you know what? No, it was my fault. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So both those questions, how do I, how do I solve those problems? I, I take ownership of them. That's number one. Number two, what do I do? Because to take ownership of them isn't quite enough here. We need to, we need to be smarter than that. We, again, we need to play chess. So what I always try and do from a leadership perspective is I always try and understand the perspective that other people have. This kind of goes to detachment. I got to detach from my own head Mm -hmm. and I got to see it from their perspective so I can understand what does it look like from Echo's viewpoint? What does it look like from my most junior guy that's not doing what I want him to do? Why isn't he doing it? What is he seeing from his perspective? Okay, my boss doesn't understand what I'm trying to communicate to him. Guess what? What is his perspective? How do I detach from my own head, see what his perspective is? Because once I see his perspective, I can adjust it. Right. So it's very important to try and understand other people's perspectives. And it's usually not that hard. People are often you know, pretty easy to read. And as soon as you leave your own head and get into theirs, you'll see how you can change the scenario mm. and make them understand it better. Mm. So those are two uh, big pieces. Yeah, that's uh, that's another one that's that applies to everything and how you were saying these are simple steps 
but simple but not, not easy. easy yeah because yeah. <laughs> man to get out of your own head and you know it, 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 it's hard it, it definitely is challenging especially in, in these pressure situations pressure where, situations where yeah. emotions are involved and yeah. you start getting fired up people are yelling or there's yeah. you know capital at risk or jobs at yeah, risk or yeah. lives at risk it's it's definitely hard to do that and yeah. guess what those situations where it's hardest to do are the most critical times where you need to step back yeah. calm down Step outside your own head. Don't see the emotions. Let your ego go. Understand other people's perspectives. That's when you need to do it the most. Yeah. Oddly enough. <laughs> so what would you say is your most difficult day in the military? Or can you even single one out? Well, and, and how did it affect you or shape you or, or you know, push you forward? You know, the time I was in, the, I was in the SEAL teams for 20 years and it was awesome. It was, I became even called a job because it was so fun and surrounded by great guys. And even overseas in Iraq, I was having an absolute fantastic time the whole time. Obviously those were the best days of my life being a combat leader in a combat situation, that's what I wanted to do my whole life. And when I was there, I knew that. And those were the best days of my life. And encompassed inside those great days are obviously the worst days of my life. And no doubt the worst days of my life were the days when my guys got killed. And Mark Lee, the first seal killed in Iraq. Mikey Mansoor, second seal killed in Iraq, who's posthumously awarded the Medal of Honor for jumping on a grenade to save three of our other teammates. And Ryan Job, who was severely wounded, blinded in both eyes after he was shot in the face, who made it home. And eventually, after his 22nd surgery to repair the damage that was done to his head and face, he died as well. And the day that was the absolute worst was when I came home from deployment. And I didn't have those guys with me. And I was coming home to my family, to my kids, to my wife, and they weren't. And how it affected me as far as my military career goes. I truly understood what was at stake in combat. 
and when I took over training out on the West Coast, I was obsessed with making the training as realistic as possible and getting the guys that were going overseas to Iraq and Afghanistan, getting them as prepared as they could humanly possibly ever be to be in these worst case scenarios. And I remember, you know, I remember we'd set up these scenarios that were very, very difficult. I mean, unbelievably difficult. Like you were going to have massive challenges. And I remember I'd see a guy like, for instance, in an urban environment in training, I'd see a guy standing in the middle of the street, you know, like, which you would not want to do if you were in Ramadi in 2006. And I'd see, and I would, I would get this feeling, I'd get that sick to my stomach feeling because I, like in the back of my mind, I'm waiting for rounds to start hitting the ground and kill this guy or wound him. And I would, you know, get fired up and, you know, explain to him, listen, you cannot, you got to move from cover to cover. Don't be standing out here in the middle of the street. Why is there, there's, there's no cover fire going on, you know? And, uh, that's, that's how it affected me as far as my military career and how it affected me in my life. You know, I, I've already told you how it affected me. Those are those guys. Um, I'm trying to honor them by, by living the best life I can and taking advantage of the freedom that they bless me with. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to go to the uh, another question from online here. <clears throat> how did you come to know the darkness, and how does it motivate you dealing with it and using the light to win? Is this a Star Wars question? <laughs> Kind of on Tim uh, Ferriss podcast, you're talking about the yeah, darkness and yeah. the and the light. I, no, no I doubt that. about it. It's um, it's definitely uh something that I, something that I, it's definitely something that I think about, you know. And I, the world is is an evil place, and there's a lot of evil in the world. There's pain, there's suffering, there's disease, there's evil, there's war. I mean, there's bad things in the world. And sometimes people ignore those things. And, and, you know, we talked about this with with Joe Rogan quite a bit. You know, we, we can live in a bubble here in America where there almost is no pain and there almost is no suffering and there almost is no violence and there almost is no evil. And for some reason, I've always stepped outside that bubble and looked and seen what the rest of the world is like. And so I think that's a counter to what a lot of people believe the world is like. And so for me, that darkness is always present. It's always there. And at the same time, there is light. And there is people that are incredibly generous, that sacrifice greatly, that give everything they have to serve other people. 
uh, doctors, you know, nurses, firefighters. There's all these people, teachers. I mean, there's just people that do all they can to help other people and and to do good in the world. Um, and so I think that just that's what I try and balance in my mind. Um, and and. I don't want people to think that I sit around and brood all day about the darkness, you know, because I don't, you, you know, I mean, I, uh, <laughs> I w- love to have a good time and laugh and, and, you know, smile. And I want to do that, you know, but I also, in those moments, I'm definitely thinking that, you know, we're lucky to be here. Yeah. And doesn't that m- make like, you know, I don't know, a day where you're just kind of cruising or whatever and, and, you know, looking for a laugh or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. you're hanging with your friends or whatever. Doesn't, don't those days seem a lot more enjoyable when you do have the darkness yeah. in mind, you know, yeah. where even, I mean, you know, you have kids, so let's, I don't know, your daughter spills some milk and laughs about it, right? If you know what the rest of the world is like, that's going to seem almost enjoyable. It's almost enjoyable. like that's funny, that's cute. You can recognize all the great things about that little moment. It, it's a lot easier to recognize the great things about that little exactly. moment. Exactly. If you understand. If you think that, yeah, the world's all hunky-dory and milk's never supposed to be spilt and, you know, all this stuff and everything's perfect and, and sweet and that's kind of your mindset. And, oh, they spilled the milk. That's a disruption. <laughs> And you're like, yeah, yeah, that's your daughter. But yeah, that's my daughter. Sure. You know, I see my daughter every single day. You spilled the milk. Yep. That's a disrupt. You know, so it's kind of that, that, you know, without hardship, there can be no pleasure kind of contrast that kind of, it, it brought out more, huh? No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, I, so every once in a while, uh, you'll hear people go like, man, like this country is going like violence or whatever, you know, like it's going down the jitter or all this stuff. And you kind of, if you think about it and let's say your normal day, maybe not you, but probably you too, your normal day. You, if you, let's say you got up, you worked out, you went to the store, like, let's say, Oh, I want to get a pomegranate white tea at Seven <laughs> Eleven, And you go and you're standing in line and the guy in front of you gets into a heated argument with a cash guy the cashier and it starts swearing at him, swearing at him and saying oh you i don't like these prices yelling just yelling at him and then like, he's like get out of here and you know and he and he's like screw this place using profanity gets in the car and speeds away right didn't break any laws just that happened right in front of you you i would we would probably remember that for a while all it was was a yelling match mm-hmm. that's all it was no violence no laws being broken no 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 physical anything just an argument between two people. And some disrespect. Some disrespect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. You'd remember that. That would that would that would be a significant right. incident yeah. in your day. That's how good the world is. Or your yeah. environment. That's how good this country is. Yeah. You know? Um, of course, you know, that we're talking about a spectrum here. You go in certain areas, it's gonna be a little worse. Mm-hmm. But keep in mind, like in our environment, I know here in San Diego, that's essentially how it is most of the time if you see two people almost get in a fight that's a significant event right there yeah so overall i would say there's a lot of light around here there's a lot of light you know so i think that if you think about that and you've been exposed to it so dang you can really have a have an accurate perspective um 
the light is very noticeable, you know, if you can, if you can constantly have that contrast and know it, you mm-hmm. know. There's no doubt about that. Um, when, is, when do you see ego get in the way? Like, when is it most prevalent, do you think? It's so prevalent. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> and this is, uh, when, when I saw this question, I immediately thought of um, this guy whose ego just completely got in the way and he was able to fix it on this particular situation. And it was me. <laughs> so, so this is actually a funny story. This guy, so we, uh, we started working with a company, and the company um, had a pretty young CEO. And he was a super smart guy, and he had played football in college. So he looked like D1 football player, just a, a, a pretty badass guy. Yeah. S- super smart, super articulate. And when I met him, I like there was a little tension between him and me. There was a little something. There was a little tension. And I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, this guy really thinks he's a badass. <laughs> and, and so we go through a meeting and we go through another meeting and there's just this tension. I'm going, yeah, this guy is definitely, he's got issues. He's got problems. Mm-hmm. Looking at this guy. And I can feel it come from him that he's thinking the same thing. <laughs> Are you sure he was thinking the same thing? Though? I'm positive. Or was that just you looking in the mirror again? I'm positive he was thinking the same thing, and I'll tell you how. How I know that. So as I'm sitting there, so we actually did 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 like a whole like two days with this company, and then we were coming back. And the next time we came back, I go, you know, I wonder what's gonna be like this. I'm gonna have this again with this guy, this asshole. I come back, and sure enough, there it is. I see him. And he's like looking at. I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me, and there's tension. And all of a sudden, I, so I, I detached from the situation. And I looked at myself and I said, Jocko, you're an idiot. Because here I was, and what was I thinking? I was jealous of the guy. Mm. Or, or, yeah, intimidated or jealous or whatever the words. Threatened. I, I was jealous. I think it was jealous because he was, he was a young guy that had been very successful, made a ton of money, yeah, yeah. went to a big school and played ball and all that stuff. And he had done all this stuff. And what was he thinking looking at me? He was looking at me thinking, oh, this guy, he was a, a seal and he was, you know, a jujitsu guy and he's a badass. And, and both of us were basically envious of the other one in some way. And really what it was, I, I guess envious is the wrong, wrong word. Our egos, both of our egos had, had impacted. <laughs> and so as soon as I realized that, I, I was like, bam, I immediately changed my attitude. And I was like, and, and the next opportunity I had, you know, during a break or something, I was like, you know what? After working with you a couple days, you're, you're awesome. I said, what you've done is badass to be your age and be dominating a company like this and have raised it together and built it. That's awesome and made a ton of money. I love that. And that's just badass, man. I, I, have nothing but respect for you and what you've done. And I, I actually want to learn from you while I'm here. Mm-hmm. And immediately it was like a force field <laughs> came down. Yeah. And he said to me, you know what? 
no matter what I've done in my life, it's never going to be what you've right. done. And, 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 and after that, we were bros. Mm. But I had to recognize the ego in the situation, mine and his. And I just had to disarm it, and then it was all gone. Mm. So it's a story about ego. <laughs> my big ugly ego and again ego you know ego drives people it's what makes people want to be successful and it, it has a lot of positives to it mm-hmm. uh but it can definitely get in the way yeah that um <laughs> <laughs> you, you recognize that story right i mean like you you realize like how that happens oh yeah see it. Oh, yeah fully especially when you can see there man i i can't remember the exact words um, how they, and I forget even where I saw it, but it was, it, you're threatened typically by something along the lines of if someone is uh, uh, like capable or there's these things that people have to be in your eyes that makes them threatening to you. So what right. it, it kind of put real loosely, when you see someone who is essentially you, <laughs> you're yeah, going to yeah, feel yeah, threatened. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be you, like, they're the same height as you, right, right. or the same race as you. It's not that. There's it's, some kind of equivalency that intimidates yes, you, and a lot or of times that intimidates your ego. Yeah. So if you get someone who's, let's say you're kind of built, um, like you, for example, if someone's kind of built, boom, that's one thing. If he's around your same age, it kind of depends, because it can be, if they're a, a functioning able adult put it that way and it's a guy kind of your built oh, boom 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 those are all these other things that it's literally it's like dogs and it's yeah, so funny to it see like it happen like especially at the gym when someone a new guy walks in and he's kind of <laughs> yeah. built watch everyone's got eyes go, you know yeah like ears pop up yeah it's funny and yeah that goes everywhere business world you yeah. know like, oh, girls have it bad man in my experience I, when, when they see i don't know <laughs> <laughs> no, when they see other girls, you know. Yeah. With that, that. Yeah. It's funny. Um, do you do you want to go? Uh, do you want to go over these as well? You know what? I, I have two I, questions. I think I from my coming from myself. Okay. But anyway, what were you gonna say? Proceed with your questions. <laughs> okay. So, um, conspiracy theories, right? Uh-huh. You you know how um, you know people that uh, they'll they'll go into the con- certain conspiracy right, chemtrails right. or 9 11 the inside job or um recently the um the san bernardino shootings like that was uh you know what they're saying like the government staged it or whatever um do you ever engage with people about conspiracy theories i haven't engaged with anyone about conspiracy theories so do you, when you hear like a new, for example, okay, if you're, you're not really on Facebook, but um, we'll just say online, you can see people expressing their opinions about the conspiracy theories that they believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're really overt. Uh, let's say, for example, someone expresses their feelings about a certain conspiracy theory to you. Do you, on what level do you entertain that? Not very much. Just kind of across the board? Yeah, not very much across the board. I'm not trying to convert people and make people think things. And, um, and, and I'm definitely not going to expend a bunch of energy 
diving into things that are not worth diving into. Yeah. Um, you know, with conspiracy theories, you can tie anything to anything if you want to. I mean, any major global occurrence that's happening will be tied into the rest into some way to craft macaroni and cheese. I mean, there will be a connection to craft macaroni and cheese. If you dig deep enough, there'll be an employee, there'll be a purchase, there'll be a plant, there'll be a farm, there'll be a, there'll be a sales, there'll be a stock. There'll be some connection between that and whatever incident that happened on the globe. And if you want to formulate those and tie those pieces together, you can do it because the world is connected. And when people say, oh, this corporation was involved in some way with this incident in this war taking place, you say, well, yes, you know, there are big giant corporations that have huge interests around the world and they're going to protect those interests. And that's what the world is made of. So, um, I don't do a lot of debating about, um, conspiracy theories. No, there you go. Um, somebody sent me a link to like a, a video about nine 11 and I clicked on it and it was something like eight hours long. The video. The video <laughs> was eight hours long about, you know, and and I just thought, well, okay. You know, again, if you want to, you can connect anything to anything um, if you want to. Mm. That's the way the, that's the way the global world is, the global economies. That's the way things are. Did you watch the whole video? <laughs> I, I watched until I saw it said eight hours. <laughs> um Good. I, know, yeah. I know. I know. We got some questions. Um, questions about Blood Meridian. I think that those that book, uh, which is obviously a very powerful book, it's. Uh, I think we got to save that for the next podcast. I know we got um, quite a few questions about Chris Kyle, mm-hmm. and you know, people want to know if I knew Chris. If I worked with Chris, um, and the answer is yes, Chris Kyle was the lead sniper and point man in Charlie Platoon, which was Leif Babbins. He was the the officer in charge of that platoon, and that was in Task Unit Bruiser, which I was the commander of. So we absolutely, you know, knew Chris and um, worked alongside Chris. Uh, Leif was on every mission for all practical purposes that, that Chris was on. And, um, you know, I, Leif and I spoke at Chris's memorial service in, uh, Cowboy stadium. I mean, it's so yes, we, we know Chris very well. And at some point we'll, uh, we'll, I'll, I'll get Leif on here and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Chris some and tell some, some stories about Chris that would, uh, you know, provide a, a perspective that may not have been seen in the, uh, the portrayals that have been given so far. So I think we, we need to hold off on that one and maybe just do one more question here. Do you have any 
friends that aren't well that aren't military and that are not jujitsu or MMA guys. Yes, I do. I do. Mostly musicians. All I shouldn't right. say mostly musicians. Uh, <laughs> surfers. I, I got some. I got uh, quite a few friends that that surf. Mm-hmm. I surf in, out here in California, and uh, and I got some friends that play music, and you know, we we rock and roll. Yeah, and that's something that I actually forgot. I knew you, obviously I knew, knew that you surf, but that you play guitar. Yes. Would you like part of a band or some some crazy? Yeah, well, stuff? yeah I was a, I was in bands my whole life when I was growing up and I was a kid. Yeah, it, it's funny. Like a lot of <laughs> successful people or people who are you know they always have all these skills. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is that like surfing and playing guitar, like that's not easy. You know, it's not. I mean, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to talk bad about golf, but golf is seems like, oh, yeah, you just go out and you play golf. And sure, <laughs> some people, they get good and great, you know, and it is it's fun and stuff, but it's not like surfing, you know, and surfing is fun. And, man, yeah. and really, there's, there's all kinds there, of There's a little bit more of a physical challenge. Yeah, it's more yeah. of a, and a challenge and a challenge that it shows when you are good at surfing or not good at surfing. It shows, yeah. you know, um, seemingly, I don't know, I guess that's just my opinion, but it's always interesting that. Like to play the guitar, surf, yeah, black belt in jujitsu. W- w- what's interesting is too is um, and these are some other like I know some guys that are um, surfers and musicians and artists, and I want to bring some of those guys and talk to them because they have different outlooks on things and how to get good and what kind of discipline it takes and what drives them. I mean, you know, like you said, surfing is challenging. Surfing is cold. It's wet. It's dark. It's it's sketchy sometimes. And, guys that do that their whole life until they're 70 or 80 years old that's pretty yeah. awesome yeah um yeah right on we're at um so so one more okay yeah last question we'll um the time you wake up in the morning and why do you wake up at that time, and what do you think about? Well, we we talked about what time I wake up in the morning, but I think this last question is here: What do you think about before you go to bed at night? And uh, and and really, to me, uh, I mean, to to kind of close this out is the last question of what do you tell people, or what do I think? is most is, is a helpful kind of lessons learned to close on. And I think one one conversation I had with a with one of my one of my guys um who was just a complete awesome warrior named JP and JP how you doing brother out there um when we were going through training to get ready for Iraq and when you're when you're going through SEAL training, you get you learn you learn all this information, and they teach you all these things, and you layer them on top of your brain, and there's layers and layers and layers of these tactics and techniques and procedures, and the layers can get so thick that you lose contact with the ground, and so we were out in training. 
and I was looking at JP, who is a stud. And it was one of those situations where we're out in the desert, but there's rocks and there's little shrubs and all that. And he was standing up in the wide open because he was staying in the formation of the patrol, the way that he was taught and the way that he had been indoctrinated is one of those layers as you're here and you stand here and this is your field of fire and you watch this area. But what he'd forgotten was that you're standing in the middle of an open area. Don't stand there. Move to this little rock and then move to this little shrub and then move this little. So that way, if a bad guy looks, he's not going to see you. And if he does see you, he starts shooting. You have a place to hide. And I said to him, I said, JP, my brother. <laughs> and he's like, what's up, sir? I said, hey, man, if you were 10 years old right now and we were out playing army out here, would you stand in the middle of this open trench right here? Would you stand here? And he's like, No. I said, well, where would you stand? He said, I'd go over there to that rock right there and I'd get behind that. And I said, so your 10-year-old brain (laughs) is doing better job moving from cover to cover than your 23-year-old brain. And I said, listen, your instincts, you know what the right thing to do is. You know what it is. Do it. And he did. And it was amazing. And, And I think that people... You, me, everyone, people listening, people that communicate with us, you know what the right thing to do is. You know what it is. You know it's be disciplined. You know it's work hard. You know it's put your ego in check. You know these things. You just got to do them. You just got to do them. I think we closed it out with that. Yeah. So um, thanks to everybody for joining. I know we had a bunch of people on, uh, on Periscope. That was pretty cool to watch. And we'll see how this one goes, and we'll do some more in the near future. Yeah, I, I like the idea that people are really engaged with you online, and, and they'll ask you questions, and, right. and you'll essentially confirm like check that I see yeah. that that's a good question kind of thing you're, you're engaging I think that's a good thing because these are real questions it's not like yeah. questions that we just thought up um no we got know. some great questions yeah so I would say to yeah encourage that to you know for people if they're wondering about stuff because this is in my experience everything that you've even said before this and and even just stuff you've said to me personally or what it's all like really useful stuff and not just in business it it applied the concepts applied it pretty much everything in life functioning in life if you can function with these concepts you're gonna you're gonna do good it'll be kind of on you if you don't that's when you take that extreme ownership awesome all right thanks everybody for joining appreciate it we'll talk to you next time out here